0: Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me. My name is Rick Thomas, and this is Life Over Coffee. Thank you again for being here. I have a fun episode that I want to share with you. I'm going to share a prayer of mine, one that I have written out and I have used 10 zillion times. As a matter of fact, this is the most important prayer that I use in my life and have been for multiple decades now. I have shared this with others over the years, and they have benefited uh, from it. They have talked about it. I've, I've heard so much positive in response that I have written it out. I wanted to do a podcast and also do a video. This will be an outstanding Bible study because I have over 60 scriptures inside of this Prayer is somewhere between four and 500 words, something like that, and I want to share it with you. I want to walk through it step by step and explain it, and this will be a, a huge benefit for you in your walk with Christ, and I trust that you will share it with other people. And so I've titled this, A Prayer to Help You Walk in the Spirit, and I want to share it with you in just a moment. Again, uh, the title is A Prayer to Help You Walk in the Spirit. Uh, But first, our mission statement, because it is new. We are Life Over Coffee officially now. You can find us at lifeovercoffee.com. And our mission statement is, We exist to bring hope and help for you and others by creating resources that spark conversations for transformation. And I trust that this prayer... To walk in the Spirit will be a spark, a spark into your heart. I trust it will be a spark of conversation for transformation with someone else as well. If you have anything that you would like for me to work through, uh, please just hit the support link in the footer of our website, and uh, we would be more than happy. I would love to consider whatever question that you may have. Perhaps I could work it up into a podcast, a video. We make our resources into read, watch, and listen. And so you can read this prayer. You can watch the video Or you can listen to the podcast, or you can do all three. And of course, I want you to share this uh, with all of your friends, too. Again, this prayer is the primary one that teaches me how to walk in the Spirit. Now, the most important prayer that you can ask, by the way, is not this one. The most important prayer that you can ever make is, Dear God, will you save me? But after God regenerates you, you, you want to mature uh, in your salvation experience. You want to work out your salvation with fear and, and trembling. You want to grow up in the uh, nurture and admonition of the Lord like a, like a child. You want to desire the sincere milk of the Word so that you can uh, mature into the meat of God's Word. And so the most important prayer is, Dear God, save me. But then after we become Christians, we, we want to progressively sanctify or mature. It's like being born uh, the first time as human beings. We are babies, but we want to grow up into full and mature adulthood, and that's what this prayer is. The Lord has used this prayer more than any other to keep me focused and directed. I pray some version of this prayer several times throughout my day, but I don't want you to hear that I, I do it in a rote fashion. Sometimes I extract parts of it depending on the situation that I'm in, and and I'll share all the parts with you in just a moment. But I prayed it so many times that it's just second nature for me now, and I, I thought, you know, what would be good is for me to just write it out word for word. And so that's what I've done here because I want you to see the full prayer. But when I say that I, I pray some variation or I pray this prayer several times during any given day, most of the time it's an extraction from this uh, longer prayer. And so I hope that it does encourage you. And I did list, uh, there's like 62, there's more than 60 verses here. I would even appeal to you to print it off or just take the web page because if you hover over these verses that are listed here, they will actually pop up into a pop up box. And many people don't know that, but if you hover over a scripture on our website, it will pop up into a pop up box and you can read. The verse without even leaving our website. And so that's a real handy feature. And so maybe just take your laptop and just sit with the Lord and read this prayer out and then uh, pop up those verses and read those verses. It could make an in-depth Bible study for you, and I promise you that it will uh, encourage you. And so it is one prayer— Around 500 words or so. But what I've done is I've put numbers beside each section so that if you have a discussion with somebody, you want to discuss parts of this prayer with your friend, you could say uh, number eight or number three. There are 10 numbers altogether, and so it's like 10 stanzas, even though it reads as one long prayer, uh, but I, I put numbers beside it, kind of like scripture, you know, so it just makes it easier to find, and it's easier to talk uh, talk with someone about. And so again, I title this, A Prayer to Help You to Walk in the Spirit, and so I want to read it to you, and I'll read it to you line Upon line, and so we'll go through all ten of them, uh, and I'll talk through why I I made these statements and and why it's important, and I I trust it will be important to you. I won't read all the scriptures, uh, but again, if you pull this up on your own, you'll see all of these scriptures, and I think it would be a huge encouragement. If you're married, for example, or you're a parent, you have children and they're old enough, maybe this would be something to sit down and just use it as a a teaching tool. In fact, you could do this in small group. Uh, You could also do it in a Sunday school class. And so I want you to use your imagination as you think about uh, this prayer to walk in the Spirit. And and then at the end, I'm going to appeal to you to write your own prayer or some version of this one. Uh, But it would be a good exercise to have a prayer that you customize to your life that's meaningful to you. And this idea of praying without ceasing, uh, that this can be a constant companion uh, for you. And and then maybe it becomes an instinctive, impulsive prayer or parts of it as you move out through your day and weeks and months and years. And so line number one says uh, this, Dear Lord, Please help me to see what I cannot see, to know what I do not understand, to sense what I need to perceive, to keep in step with your spirit. Help me not to become hard-hearted. I do not want a desensitized conscience. And so that's the first section. And again, there's 10 of these. Now, there's two parts to this section. One is asking the Spirit of God to illuminate my mind in Hebrews 11:27 I have that verse listed in in this section it talks about Moses seeing him who is invisible uh, Moses had ESP he had extra sensory perception he could perceive him who is invisible he was so in tune uh, to what God wanted him to to do and who God wanted him to be. And so I ask, please help me to see what I cannot see. My propensity uh, is to be blind because I came from blindness. I came from darkness. In 1 Corinthians 2.14, it says the natural man does not understand the things of God because those things are spiritually discerned. We have to have spiritual eyes, and so after we prayed the most important prayer in our lives, dear God, save me, he regenerates us. We were born again. But we came from darkness. We were futile in our thinking. We had natural minds. And so we have a former manner of life that can really be all-encompassing and, and all-blinding. Uh, in our walk with God. And so we're asking God, now that I am a Christian, help me to see him who is invisible. I don't want a natural mind. I want a spiritual mind. I want an illuminated mind where the light is on so that I can keep in step with the Spirit. And that's how I've titled the entire prayer, a prayer to walk in the Spirit, because I want to keep in step. And to keep in step with the Spirit means that before I take this step, I want to have God's mind on this step. And then I take another step and I want God's mind on that step. And then the next step, I want God's mind on that step. And then every step I take in the Spirit, being spiritually in tune, and then I look in the rearview mirror or I turn around and look backward and I see a person who has been walking in the spirit and that's what i want and so along with this idea of god help me to see what i cannot see there's a humility there recognizing that i'm not omniscient i don't have a macro view of life i'm stuck down in the weeds of this fallen world And I cannot see the way God sees. I cannot know the way that he knows because he is omniscient. And so I need sovereign clarity. And so I ask God, Spirit of God, give me those eyes to see. But then also I say, I do not want a desensitized conscience. God has given us a a conscience, an inner voice. And so when that inner voice goes off like in James 4, 17, to him who knows to do good, and if he doesn't do it, well, to him it would be sin. And so I recognize that there's a possibility that I could have eyes to see and I have a responsibility to do, but I don't, and I sin instead. And so my conscience becomes dull it becomes desensitized. My inner voice begins to amp down. It's it's like turning the volume down on my inner voice, and, and so now my conscience is not assisting me. It's no longer an ally to help me to see him who is invisible, to help me to discern God's mind on the direction that I should take. And so that's stanza number one. If If I can frame it that way, it says, Please help me to see what I cannot see, to know what I do not understand, to sense what I need to perceive, to keep step with your spirit. Help me not to become hard-hearted. I do not want a desensitized conscience. Stanza number two, I need the spirit to illuminate my mind bring conviction to those areas that are dull to me, keep me back from violating my conscience, send merciful encouragements that motivate me to turn turn from any evil way, no matter how small they may appear to me. And so that's part two. And so I'm still appealing to God. I'm appealing to the Spirit of God. I don't want Him to leave me. I don't want Him to turn the light down. I don't want my inner voice to get dull. And so when the Spirit of God convicts me, again going back to James 4.17, to Him that knows to do good, you could be in a place to where you don't know to do good. That's an awful place to be, where you can't perceive What God's Word wants you to do through the elimination of the Spirit because you have been saying yes to sin. I have been saying yes to sin. I know to do good but I do not do it. And so my inner voice begins to dull and now I'm violating my conscience and so I say keep me back from violating my conscience. And so I'm asking God to send merciful encouragements that motivate me to turn from any evil way, no matter how small they may appear to me. I'm asking God for conviction. Spirit of God, would you convict me? And so it's like if you cut your hand. When you cut your hand, it it can be painful. A paper cut can be quite annoying, and it stings a little bit. But if it didn't sting and we continued to cut ourselves, well, eventually, I mean, we could become so hard in that area, may even die if you couldn't feel pain. And so pain is a mercy from God to signal to our brains that there is something wrong in the spiritual realm. Conviction is that mercy From God, or the way that I say it here, a merciful encouragement that motivates me to turn from any evil way. And so, in this second part, I'm continuing this theme of asking God to help me to see what I cannot see. And so, I say, I need the Spirit to illuminate my mind. Bring conviction to those areas that are dull to me. Keep me back from violating my conscience. Send merciful encouragements that motivate me to turn from any evil way, no matter how small they may appear to me. Number three, keep me from justifying actions that grieve the Spirit. We see that in Ephesians 4.30, the grieving of the Spirit. I don't want to fall into the rationalization trap. Remove all blaming from my thought life. I am not a helpless victim, fallen but not unable to change, attacked but not without hope. And so, in this section, number three, I am talking about some of the mechanisms that we use to say sin is okay. One of those is to justify our actions. And so, I'm begging God, please don't or please keep me from justifying my actions that grieve the spirit justification is a rich theological term it is a forensic term a legal term a courtroom term when god justifies us as salvation he it is as though he slams the hammer of uh, the uh, gavel down in the courtroom the judge and he declares us not guilty based on the works of Christ. And so now we are justified, as we like to say. But there is a danger in our walk with God that we can sin, and we could declare ourselves not guilty. I am not guilty. I am not wrong. That is not wrong. I am okay. We are justifying our actions, and when we justify our actions, we can begin to desensitize our conscience. We can dull our conscience or in stanza three here, I'm saying that we can grieve the Spirit. And so I say, keep me from justifying actions that grieve the Spirit. And then I say, I don't want to fall into the rationalization trap. Rationalization is another iteration of justification. Rationalization can be like, I mean, you're rationalizing It's like, it's okay. Everybody does it. I mean, it's normalized now. It's okay to do this because everybody's doing it, and that's rationalization. Another variation to justification. And so I say I don't want to fall into the rationalization trap. And then I mention a third way I could dull my conscience and the illuminating the elimination of the spirit can be turned down. I say remove all blaming from my thought life. This is what happened in the story of Cain and Abel, and it it has happened throughout Scripture. It happened with Adam and Eve as well, and it can most certainly happen uh, with us. And so I don't want to justify my actions, don't want to rationalize, don't want to blame. I say I'm not a helpless victim. I am fallen, and so I recognize that I have this problem. That's why I'm praying this prayer I say fallen but not able to change, and so I am a Christian realist. I recognize that I do sin, but I also recognize that God who is in me is, is greater than these fallen tendencies that I have. Fallen but not unable to change, attacked but not without hope. And so stanza 3 says, keep me from justifying my actions that grieve the spirit. I don't want to fall into the rationalization trap. Remove all blaming from my thought life. I'm not a helpless victim. Fallen but not unable to change. Attack but not without hope. Number four, I am asking you to do what you promise to those who seek you. I am appealing to you, I need you right now in every future moment of my life. Now, in this section number four, I am referring to James uh, to Philippians rather one six, which says that which God has begun, He will complete. And so I'm calling God, reminding Him not <laughs> not in, not in the sense that He has forgotten, but in the sense that I am confessing, meaning I agree with you. God, I agree with you. This is what you promised. What you have begun, you have going, you're going to finish. In James 4, 6, he says he gives grace to the humble. In 1 Corinthians 1, verses 8 and 9, Paul told the Corinthians that you shall be faultless in that day. Paul had an eschatological way of looking at the Corinthians that he could see their future outcome because he understood. I mean, he wrote Philippians 1, 6. And so he's basically just repeating Philippians 1, 6 in 1 Corinthians 1, 8, and 9 when he says, you will be faultless in the day of Christ. Philippians 1, 6, God's going to finish what he has begun. And so I am confessing that to God, agreeing with him. I am asking you to do what you promised To those who seek you, I go on to say, I am appealing to you. I need you right now and every future moment of my life. And so I see nested in Philippians 1, 6, the beginning and the end and everything in between. And so I am saying, I need you right now. In every future moment of my life, I confess, I agree, and this gives me confidence to know that God will be there every step of the way. Number five, I say to him, I, I trust you and your judgments. That is Psalm 119.66. I know you will deal judiciously with me. I also know that I cannot trust myself without you, Jeremiah 17, 9, that a heart is deceitful above all things. You are my heart treasure and comforting guide. I don't want to quench that relationship. And so that is stanza number five. And you can hear in that two main things. I trust you, and I know that you will deal judiciously with me, and I know I can't trust you myself. There is a healthy pinch of suspicion that we should have about ourselves. There's a a healthy dose of self-suspicion that we should carry with us. It doesn't plunge us into some kind of morbid introspection, but yet it releases us from the arrogance of thinking that we know something when we don't. And it it, it creates a healthy dependency on someone outside of ourselves, greater than ourselves. And so I trust, I say, I trust you and your judgments. I know that you're going to deal judiciously with me. I know that I cannot trust myself without you. You are my heart treasure. You are my comforting guide. You hear John seventeen seventeen. It says, Sanctify them with truth. Thy word is truth. You hear John 16, 13, that I will send the comforter. And so I know that God will be my comforting guide. I have a healthy dose of self-suspicion, but I know that he will deal judiciously with me, and so I trust his interaction, his intrusiveness in my life. And so I beg him, I don't want to quench that relationship, and that is Number five. Number six, keeping in step with your spirit will give me direction. You hear Proverbs 3 5, and 6 there, that God makes a way, a path for us to walk. You are my only lifeline. There are no other options. Your word will save me from those things that interfere with the Christ like life you offer. Teach me to say no to sin, Titus 2.12. This response to evil can happen if you give me your illuminating comforter to shine his light on what is right and what is wrong. And so now I'm going back and making this big appeal that I I want to say yes to God and no to sin. I, I want to not quench his spirit, grieve his spirit, I don't want to dull conscience. I want to be able to discern, and I know that he will finish. I do this all under the sovereign hope, sovereign knowledge, sovereign awareness that he's going to finish what he has begun. And I recognize that there are no other options. In my world, your world, there's only one door, and we have to walk through that door. That door is Christ. There are no other options His word will save us. He will save me from the things that interfere with the Christ-like life that he offers. And so I want him to teach me to say no to sin. This response to evil can happen if you give me this illuminating comforter. And so I'm begging God. This is a prayer to walk in the Spirit. Give me the illuminating comforter to shine his light on what is right and wrong. I recognize in this prayer that God has a responsibility not just to complete what he has begun, but to give the comforter that illuminates my mind. But I have a responsibility to be a doer of the word, to work out my salvation with fear and and trembling. This cooperative effort between God as primary cause and me as a secondary causal agent, working together in my own sanctification. Number seven. May the voice of the Spirit and my inner voice be in harmony. If all these things are true and I respond appropriately as I have been praying, then God's Spirit and my inner voice will be in harmony. I continue to say, I, I don't want a weak or soft or hard conscience. I want a biblically informed one that is affirmed moment by moment by the the illuminating voice of the Spirit. That is number seven. And so I'm giving motivation as to why I have been saying all these things thus far. I want a biblically informed conscience, knowing that if my conscience and the Spirit of God, as informed by the Word of God, are singing the same song on the same page, it will be affirmed moment by moment, and I will be walking in step with the Spirit, with no clutter in my mind, no amped-up soul noise that is distracting me, Because at each moment I am saying no to sin and yes to God, and He is illuminating me each moment, each step. Number eight, being tuned to any other thing will defame you, bring harm to me while separating me from my brothers and sisters. And so now there is this outworking of what can happen if I'm not walking in the Spirit, It will defame God. It will not make his name great. Of course, it will bring harm to me for obvious reasons, but it will also separate me from my brothers and sisters because I will not be in tune with them. I will not have sovereign clarity of what God is doing uh, in their lives. And to be able to love God and love others, I will not be able to love them well. Now, in the discipleship world in which I live, or the counseling world, if you prefer, Having this kind of clarity of mind is absolutely essential. And so, if my mind is is cluttered with sin, cluttered with distractions, and dullness, and grieving, and justification, and rationalization, and blaming, and the Spirit of God is dialing down the light to where I cannot see, then I I will not be able uh, to help my brothers and sisters. And so, it's not only you not only want to do this to spread the fame of God and to benefit personally but to be able to have sovereign clarity, illuminating clarity in other people's lives. And so this is now bigger than just the benefits that I receive from being in the faith, but spreading God's fame. And now my brothers and sisters benefiting because there is no dullness in my life, and I can speak to them, hopefully, in spirit-eliminated ways. I continue number eight by saying it will take courage to hear what you say and to respond in biblical ways, and that is the crux of the matter. The word "crux" is a play on words; it means cross, to die to myself in John three fourteen. If as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up. The cross of Christ in John three thirty. He must increase, but I must decrease. It is the crux of the matter, that, and it will take courage, because when God eliminates our minds, sometimes we do have to respond in ways that are not palatable to our fallen selves. And so at number eight here, I say, being tuned to any other thing will defame you, bring harm to me while separating me from my brothers and sisters. It will take courage to hear what you say and respond in biblical ways. And to respond in biblical ways, that is the crux of the matter, to take up my cross and to die to myself. And then I insert a verse here. I actually write this one out, and it's Psalm 19:13. It says, Keep back your servant from these sins. Do not let them have dominion over me, It is one more plea inserted between stanza number eight and number nine, Psalm 19.13. And here's number nine. I don't want to be a hearer of your words, but not a doer of them. I need your unmerited, undeserved favor to convince and empower me to respond to what I know to be true from you please don't give up on me, Psalm 121.7. Give me persevering grace. And so in this section, I'm acknowledging the cooperative effort, secondary causal agent, me. So God is the primary causal agent. He is the one that lives, breathes, has his being in me. I have a responsibility to respond to him. I have to be a doer of the word. But in order to do that, I need his undeserved favor. I need grace that I don't deserve, grace that I did not merit, and that grace will convince me and empower me to be a doer of the word, to respond to what I know to be true. And then I plead, please don't give up. Give up on me. Number 10, finally. Please help me to move forward with the knowledge you give me, working it out in practical ways that continue to transform me and my relationships. That's number 10. And so I ask him to, all that I've asked, I want you to continue to do that. Please help me to move forward with the knowledge that you have given me, Working it out, again, that is Philippians two twelve and 13. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. To work it out in practical ways that continue to transform me, but also my relationships because now they are the beneficiaries of this prayer if I'm living it step-by-step, moment-by-moment in the Spirit and I sign off with your servant forever, Rick. And so this is a prayer. I titled this a A Prayer to Help You to Walk in the Spirit. That's the title of the article. You're welcome to uh, read it. You can listen to the podcast, of course. Watch the video. You can print it off. I want to wrap up here, and I want to ask you a couple of questions. As you listen to this, if you have time now, and if not later, what two takeaways stuck out to you as you read, watched, or listened uh, to this prayer, what two takeaways stuck out to you? If you're driving now, that's fine. Just pause for a moment and say, well, this and that, and then ask God to help you to remember those things. Maybe if you get a moment, you can jot them down, not while you're driving. But what two takeaways stuck out to you as you read, watched, or listened to this prayer. Number two, how did the Spirit of God convict you as you read, watched, or listened to this prayer? Now, this is an important question that I'm asking because if the Spirit of God, I mean, that's the essence of the prayer. If the Spirit of God has convicted you of something, you do want to stop. Stop. You want to pause, and you want to ponder what that is, because you want to, there's a smudge on the glass, and so you want to make sure that you get it off now, or when you get to a moment where you can spend quality time with God, and you can talk through this, and maybe get with a friend, where you can talk through it, so you can get some Windex on the glass and get it clean. But the question is, how did the Spirit of God convict you as you're going through this prayer? Number three, if you sensed his conviction, his merciful encouragements, I called it. What is your plan to change? And then number uh, four, I have five questions here. Number four, would you take the time at some point to write out your prayer, perhaps using parts of this? You can adapt this. You can make this yours. It doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is that you would be intentional enough, serious enough, dedicated enough, determined enough that I I really want a, a life prayer uh, something that would be fresh and relevant today and fresh and relevant in the future and, and as you have gone through this you can tell that yeah this would be quite relevant in the future our nemesis will it, Adam ever liveth Adam's not going to he's not going to die easily he's going to fight us the fallenness the, our adamic nature I'm talking about and so you want a relevant impulsive instinctive prayer a a a framework of thinking about how to walk in the assistance of the spirit moment by moment and so would you write out a prayer perhaps using parts of this adapt this one make this one your own and then finally number five would you share this prayer with a friend asking their opinion you telling them about your takeaways and your merciful encouragements from God, conviction from God, and engage them in further uh, discussion. And then maybe for a bonus question that you use this in a Bible study, a Sunday school class, not a Bible study, a sanctification study, a Sunday school class, small group, family. I mean, you could spend a month as a family, going through these scriptures, going through these 10 line upon line uh, that I shared with you. And so this is a prayer to help you to walk in the Spirit. I trust it has blessed, encouraged, helped, maybe even convicted a little bit. I trust it will motivate you to make your own, extract, adapt, or borrow this one, And, and that you would train your mind just to pray this way, and you get into this attitude of just praying without ceasing. As Christians, we want to keep in step with the Spirit. Thanks so much. May God bless. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.